Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, NFL fans, it is Jeff Hartman with Fans First Sports Network, and we are back. Myself, KT Smith, the coach. What's up, coach? How are you this fine morning? Ah, I'm just trying to sort through the clutter of the draft and uh, yeah. make, make sense of it. And I uh, thought I saw a lot of really interesting stuff yesterday. Can't wait to talk about it. So if you happen to miss our day one recap, you can go back, whether it's on YouTube, Facebook, uh, Twitter, even on our audio platform, you can find us wherever you get your podcast just by searching FFSN NFL. You'll find the feed that has our show, that has Kevin's uh, the Call Sheet podcast, a whole bunch of other NFL content right there at your fingertips. Go back and check that out. But today we are talking about day two. That is right, rounds two and three of the 2023 NFL draft in Kansas City. And well, I tell you what, man, the place is rocking. Like just the environment seems pretty cool, doesn't it? I mean, when you see the the video, the footage of, from the draft, would you ever want to go to the draft? Uh, I, I did go to the draft. I went did to you? the I went to the draft in what was it, 2017, 2018, whenever when it was in Philly. Was it that um, raucous? Well, it sure. was amazing. It was one of the coolest experiences. Uh first of all, it took the took the train in, which was phenomenal because each train stop, another another group of drunken idiots got on in their jerseys, <laughs> chanting. The trash talk on the train was worth the entire you know uh, uh, affair in itself. But it was at the, it was held at the Philadelphia Art Museum uh, along the Franklin Parkway, where the famous Rocky Steps are. Uh, so I don't know. They just it just had such a great vibe. It was pre-COVID. I think, you know, the yeah. <laughs> the world was yeah, different then. People were, were not afraid to engage with one another. Yeah. Uh, so it, it was really cool. But that, that setup in Kansas City looks awesome, too. Where they they kind of come out of that hotel and up those yeah. steps. And then uh, you have the big fountain out there. That looks like a really cool environment. Someone asked me, would you ever want to go? And I like, what was, uh, yeah, the, the vibe was cool from the way you describe it. And I, it looks like it's really cool in Kansas City. It kind of looks like it was 2017 in terms of everyone's comfortable. Like, they're very comfortable in that setting now. Um, but what was, could you hear the picks? Did you know what was going on or was it just a big party? It was, uh, it was a big party. We, we were, <laughs> we weren't like so close that you felt, uh, really a part of it, but we weren't far enough away so that you were isolated. We were kind of like in an in-between. Um, you'd follow on your phone 
It, yeah. it was, you know, the funny thing was like, if somebody shouted out a pick, it was like a mob mentality. And people were like, <laughs> shut up. Nobody say any picks. <laughs> you know? So, and every, and then, and then the whole crowd of course was sectioned off by, by team who you rooted for. And, but people, I have to say this, people were very cool, very cool. It was, it was a party and there was a lot of trash talk, but it was friendly and good natured. It was, uh, and then just the whole, the whole, uh, and the way the NFL promotes it and some of the cool things that they do while you're there. And then there's special tributes and those types of things. They, they keep you engaged. There's like, cause there's a lot of downtime yeah. and they do a really nice job of, uh, making sure that people are, are yeah, entertained. So it was very cool. I think it would be cool if let's say the city, the, whoever wins the Super Bowl, that city should host it the following year. And I know they have to do it. They have to plan out accordingly, but it would be pretty cool because it was pretty cool in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey coming out with the Super Bowl trophy and things like that. So, all right, let's dive into this. The surprise at the top of round two, or maybe it wasn't a surprise. The Pittsburgh Steelers had the 32nd overall draft pick and everyone, every single insider you can think of, uh, Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter, Tom Pellicero, they're all like, the Steelers are getting calls, they're getting calls, they're getting calls. So obviously you and I as Steelers fans were very engaged as to what are they going to do? What are they going to do? They didn't trade the pick. Were you surprised that the Steelers stayed put at 32, taking Joey Porter Jr.? I wasn't surprised. I don't think I would have been surprised either way because I thought they were in a really good spot there. You can you can ask for the moon, and, and if you don't get it, there's a guy sitting there right there at 32 who – who the Steelers probably would have been content to take at 17 if the board had fell a different way. So I, for me, I always thought it was going to be a question of would they take Broderick Jones or Joey Porter? I never imagined it would be Broderick Jones and Joey Porter. And yeah. so for the Steelers to be in that position, really put them in the catbird seat, so to speak. And, and I'm sure they worked the phones. I'm sure they asked for a lot. And at the end of the day, as, as I'm sure you're going to talk about in a second, uh, the trade that did come came right after the Steelers, and maybe it was just because Pittsburgh's price was too high. I think that it's a combination of Pittsburgh was asking a lot. And if you look at the – because the, the Tennessee Titans moved up to 33 with the Arizona Cardinals. But if you look at the actual trade compensation there, the Cardinals actually had to give a pick also. So they didn't just swap seconds and then garner more picks. They actually gave up a pick. Pittsburgh didn't have that capital, and I don't think they had any interest in giving away any more of their picks. If anything, they just wanted to gain picks. They lost the fourth rounder in round one. Nonetheless, the Tennessee Titans make the bold move. They go up the draft board in round two, and they take Will Levis. It looks like the Malik Willis experiment is over in Tennessee after one year. What do you think about Levis going to Tennessee in that fit? Well, that's a that's one of the, I think, on the short list, one of the best landing spots for him the way that they run the football. He's he's a play-action quarterback. He's an athletic guy. Get him out of the pocket. You're going to obviously do some things to, to set that stuff up with a run game and Derrick Henry. So I think it's a really a good landing spot for Will Levis. Um, it is interesting that they seem so willing to move on from Malik Willis that fast. And, and we're not in Tennessee, and we don't really you know read the local paper, so to speak, and, and check on their stuff all the time. So I don't know exactly what the story is there, but it sounds as though Malik Willis was just really unprepared to be able to to handle NFL defenses. That he that his ability to read defenses and and understand what was happening on the field was just much more remedial than they anticipated. And uh, so that's a big swing and a miss. You spend a first round pick on a guy who who then the very next year you got to you got to trade up to spend a high second round pick to replace him. 
uh, that that's going to set them back a little bit. Yeah, it is for sure. And it's going to be an experiment and, and, Will Levis uh, kind of looks like Ryan Tannehill. Maybe he will be Ryan Tannehill 2.0. We'll see. But as round two goes on, a lot of people, you hear these terms. You hear these, I guess you can call them uh, slang terms like value pick. You spoke about this a little bit yesterday on round one. When you think of value pick and that term just in general, what exactly is that definition for you as a coach? Well, for me, it is targeting a player who you really like and being able to get that player on the terms that you wanted to get that person. So that doesn't necessarily mean, all right, so everybody says that this guy is a third round pick. So if we take him in the middle of the second round, we've reached for him. I, that's that's the thing that bothers me because one, we, we have no access to anyone else's draft boards and we don't know when a team is going to take somebody else. You know, if you think uh, of the Steelers a couple of years ago when they chose Deontay Johnson in the third round, there was a lot of people saying, oh, they reached, they could have gotten him later. But as it turns out, Bruce Arians in Arizona said after the draft that he was going to snatch Johnson up two picks later if the Steelers didn't take him. So so these, these coaches are and these GMs, they've all worked with one another. They're familiar with how they all operate. They have a good idea about who's targeting who. And they've got a much better understanding of what how the draft's going to fall than you and I and everybody listening. And so for some teams, it's a matter of I need to get this guy now or uh, somebody else is going to take him. And for other teams, it's I want to get this guy now because I really like him and I want to make sure we get him. And, and like I think about the Lions, the Lions don't care about your draft board. The, you know, the Lions don't yeah. care about the mock drafts. They don't care. The way that they've gone about this past draft is totally unconventional. And it's let people scratching their heads and going, oh, they could have gotten that guy later. But they're they've gotten a haul right now. The Lions have gotten some really good picks and they've done it on their own terms by taking guys who weren't necessarily like deemed the best at that position in that draft slot, but they're all really good football players. And so I really, I really admire their approach. So am I reading you correctly when it, it kind of sounds like what you're saying is, as the draft progresses, as it goes into day two and then eventually day three, teams are going to get more aggressive in terms of, Hey, this guy's available. We're going to trade up in rounds two, three, et cetera, to get him. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I think that's one, why you see some of the runs that we were talking about yesterday. Yeah. Because there, there gets to be the whole, all right, we better get, we better get them now. Cause here they go. Uh, and then two, you 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 see teams as they fill their needs begin to check boxes on their draft board and then they say well what do we have left and they look at that and they say well we really feel like we need a blank and when they look at what's out there they'll say well we think the we think the fall off from the next available inside linebacker uh to the to the remaining guys on the board is significant so we need to be aggressive and make a move because we don't want to get stuck uh, in, you know, that game of music chairs without the chair. Uh, yeah. So I think that that, again, you you also, with the later round picks, some teams put great value on them and some teams are willing to discard them because they think that, like these are just camp bodies or fillers, whereas others say, hey, we can find a gem here in the later round. So I think there's a lot of positioning as far uh, as how teams value those late round picks too. So you brought up Detroit. They've had a pretty good draft, and it depends on who you talk to, obviously. Some people are going to say, well, that was a reach and all those terms that we hear all the time around the draft. When you look at round two, though, like you're looking through round two, what picks stood out to you? And that's just like, wow, I couldn't believe this guy 
went here or it could be what a pick. I love that fit for that team and that scheme. Is there any specific, and this can be more than one. It doesn't have to be, we can go one at a time. Which pick stood out to you in round two? Well, you just mentioned Detroit. So they took Sam Laporta, the tight end from Iowa, right after Will Levis. And Michael Mayer from Notre Dame was on the board. And of course, immediately people are like, well, oh, they should have taken Mayer. But again, it's all about like, what do you want? What do you want in your in your scheme? Laporta's the better athlete of the two. I mean, Mayer's probably the better all-around football player, but Laporta's a little quicker and can stretch the field a little bit better. So clearly they were looking for, for that. They're looking for speed. That's why they, they targeted the Gibbs kid, the running back from Alabama. Uh, so, so to them, that made sense. I, I liked uh, a few picks later. I like Carolina taking Jonathan Mingo. I think he's he's a big guy. He's like a DJ Moore clone. They had traded away DJ Moore, and then I think that they now found a, a replacement for him, and that's certainly going to help Bryce Young. Um, I like the Cardinals a couple picks later. Took uh, BJ O'Jalari, who I think is a a pretty effective edge rusher, and then uh, the Jets taking Joe Tipman. I thought that was a great pick because. They need offensive line help. The Steelers, we talked about this yesterday, kind of jumped in front of them in the first round to nab one of those elite tackles and uh, kind of left the Jets out. And then the Jets in the second round get probably the best center in the draft. So I thought that yeah. was a solid pick. What, do you what about, about you? What would you, what do you what like? Do you well, I wanted to ask you about Brian Branch. So Brian Branch, uh, safety out of Alabama. Some say he's not an NFL safety, that he's not big enough. Uh, so that's debatable. But Brian Branch from Alabama. He was the only player. There were four players who were in the green room after round one. He was the only one that stayed around. Joey Porter Jr. Awesome. left. Will Levis left. And he said, you know what? I'm I'm staying. The fit has to be right. Everything I read about Brian Branch, any video that I saw, whether it's on social media or on YouTube, whatever, I just didn't know where he would fit. Do you think Detroit is a good fit for him? I mean, he slid all the way to pick 45, 14th in the second round, but he goes to Detroit. You know, they're trying to improve their defense. What do you think about that fit? Well, yeah, they were terrible on defense last year. Uh, <laughs> they were they were like in the bottom third on every measure, uh, important metric. Um, I'll tell you this. First of all, I admire Brian Branch for coming back and sitting in the green room basically by himself. And like he yep. said on stage after they introduced him, he said, uh, he said, I wanted to have my moment. And good for you, man, for having the humility to just say, yeah. A lot because a lot of people would have been embarrassed or they would have been angry or they would have just just, you know, oh, I'm being disrespected. You hear that term all the time. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what I think about Brian Branch. I think he's a football player. And I know that's a coach answer. You know, you, like you hear coaches <laughs> all the time be like, I don't care what position he is. He's a football. But he is. He's a football player. He's a, you know, 5'11", 195. He's not that big. Um, but he he can do a little bit of everything and uh, he can hit and he can tackle and he's smart. He played that star position at Alabama, which is Nick Saban's most versatile guy. And Nick Saban's defense is so complicated. If you play the star, you are a, an extremely smart, versatile football player. And uh, I don't know how Detroit's going to use him, but they can pretty much use him however they want. And that's the beauty of a guy like that in today's NFL. Defenses have gotten so multiple that if you don't have a guy who can who can occupy two or three roles, then it's it limits you. So again, man, I don't know what what you call him, but uh, I think he's going to be very good. Yeah, it was it, yeah, as a Steeler fan, you know, people brought up Brian Branch, and it was always this debate of oh, the, he he doesn't fit. He, where would he play? I think a guy like that that you just described, you find a place for him no matter what. Like no matter what team he's on, like you're going to find a spot for him because if he's that good, if he's a player, like you said, 
then you're going to find a spot for him. Uh, just looking at some of these other picks, what did you think about Tyreek Stevenson out of Miami? Uh, for me, as Steeler fans, the dude kind of reeked of Artie Burns, but that's just me. What did you think about it? He goes to Chicago, 25th in the third round, 56th overall. What did you think about that? I think he's going to have a tough time adjusting to the NFL game because he's super physical, which you like, but at the same time, uh, in a in a way in, that the NFL is trying to move away from, I don't know how much uh, scheme versatility he has. And again, you brought up a good point with Artie Burns. Steelers fans are probably wounded uh, when <laughs> when they think about corners from Miami. But um, but he, I think Stevenson's a guy that's like uh, again. It all depends on how the Bears are gonna are gonna employ him. But but he's super aggressive and and again a good man cover corner. But he's gonna have to learn the the nuances of, of zone coverages and the multiple coverages that teams want to play. Sounds like you just described Artie Burns. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask about, and this is an AFC North rivalry, uh, DJ Turner out of Michigan, another cornerback. Dude can run. I mean, he is he's a speedster. And Cincinnati, obviously, they needed some help in their secondary after losing several pieces of their puzzle in free agency. What did you think about the Bengals fit with DJ Turner? I think he's a really good athlete, like you just said. Uh, the Bengals got uh, the good edge rusher, Miles Murphy, in the first round, mm-hmm. who who is quick. Uh, I think Turner's a smart guy. Uh, he ran what he ran a four two six four two eight something like that in the forty. It was really fast. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, he's smart, and um, you know he doesn't. He's not real long, and so I mean, you, he, may, he may struggle against uh, against some bigger receivers. I mean, if you're the Steelers, you're going to try to get George Pickens matched up against him. And the NFL is all about matchups, yeah. and uh, so so you're going to. I think. If he can play in the slot, he'll probably help him in the slot. I mean, I, I know they still have Mike Hilton, but he's getting up there. So uh, he's a smart pick. The Bengals know what they're doing these days. They we used to we used to joke what? as, as what? Uh, yeah, what? I mean it's, it's true. <laughs> as AFC North people, we used to joke all the time about the Bungles and the Bungles not having any idea, you know, what they're doing. But that that's uh, these are not, <laughs> to use one of my favorite phrases. These are not your grandfather's Bengals. <laughs> Very good. Okay, that wraps up round two. We're going to take a quick break. For those that might be watching on Facebook or YouTube, we're not going anywhere. For those on our audio side, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. All right, and we are back talking round three, the second portion of day two of the NFL draft. Jeff Hartman here with KT Smith. And it's talking about round three. This is where you kind of get into those areas where now all of a sudden these teams that had no round one or two picks, we're talking the Cleveland Browns, the San Francisco 49ers, all of a sudden they enter the fray. And this is also when, in my opinion, because I'm not a draft guru, never will never claim to be, will never pretend to be, this is where it starts to get watered down. These are when the players, I don't even know who they are. I'm not, I'm learning about them as we go. But round three, more trades obviously are happening. Like I mentioned, several teams are just now getting their first picks. The first thing that comes to me is Philadelphia. Uh, they continue to have a really good draft. I love the Sydney Brown pick out of Illinois. What were your thoughts on that selection early in round three? Yeah, the Eagles, again, we, we were just talking before the break about Cincinnati being a team who knows what they're doing. Uh, the Eagles certainly fit that category uh, they they prioritized the upfront guys. The Eagles picked two defensive linemen in their first two picks, well, a D tackle and an edge, and then they went with the offensive tackle, and then they just target the the skill guys. Uh, they lost CJ Gardner Johnson in free agency. He was a player that 
Eagles fans loved. And they're going to replace him with a guy who's very much like him, a, a, a guy who can hit and who can line up all over the place. I mean, Brown can play in the slot. Uh, he's like a prototypical modern NFL safety. He's he's fast and versatile, and he can play down in the box, but he can play up in the too high scheme. He's a guy I think that is one of the two or three best safeties in the draft. It's it's really phenomenal when you see some of these players and and yeah, third round picks are still expected to be become starters at some point. I, another player that came just two picks later was really interesting to me. And I want to get your take. It was Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker ends up going to Detroit. Now Jared Goff is obviously in Detroit. There's not going to be any urgency, at least you don't think, uh, from the Lions' standpoint. But Hendon Hooker as a prospect, let's just talk about that. We're not even talking about scheme fit with Detroit, but him as a prospect coming out of Tennessee. What are your thoughts on him? Uh, I, I always feel as though quarterbacks who can move and quarterbacks who are accurate always have a chance in the NFL, and those are two of his best attributes. Uh, he's he's a guy that makes people nervous because. He's coming off a torn ACL and he's 25 years old. And you say, well, how long is the recovery? A how, how much of a learning curve does he have in the NFL? Is he going to be 27 or 28 when he really first maybe becomes a starting quarterback or, or yeah. gives gets a shot. So that's the big concern there. But like you said, uh, Goff will probably remain the starting quarterback for the next year or two. And so it does give Detroit a little bit of time to evaluate hooker. And it's not like they spent a first round pick on him. You're, you're the 68th pick in the draft. That's still a valuable pick, but it's not like you're, you know, the, a top 10 pick. So if they miss on him, it's not the end of the world. It, were there any other players in round three that just, they, it just stood out good, bad, indifferent scheme fit, whatever, what stood out in round three? Um, I, I like Jalen Hyatt, the wide receiver from Tennessee, going to the Giants. I thought the Giants so far have had a, a really solid draft. Uh, but we we can't talk about round three without talking about San Francisco, however. We have to talk about <laughs> the kicker, right? Jake Holy Moody from cow. Michigan, the kicker drafted by – is that hubris? Is that the Niners being like, you know what, we're good. We're, our roster's so good, we're just going to grab the kicker now. Well, I know they did, they, they did need – they needed a kicker. Like, so I don't know if it's, if you needed one in the third round, but I do know that was a pretty glaring need for them because Robbie gold is, I don't think he's, he retire. I don't I think, think he's, he's back. I think Robbie Gold's 57 years old. <laughs> Bring back Sebastian Janikowski. I, you know, I look, I looked this up cause I didn't, I didn't know the answer. I looked it up. I was like, man, how many kickers have been drafted in the like third round or higher? It was a shocking number. It's like 26. 26 kickers have been drafted in the really? third round or higher. It was common practice back in the day. Uh, here, this is our fun fact of our of our, of our broadcast. Charlie Gogolak for, uh, was drafted number six overall <laughs> by the then Washington Redskins in 1966. Well, back so, then, they, they did, the kickers were sometimes defensive linemen. Like, they played true. other positions, too. You know, they would just toe bash the ball where they would bring the – shoot, they'd get that special cleat out, and they'd go out oh, and yeah. – Straight at it. Just straight well, at I looked it. up Charlie Gogolak. I can 100% guarantee he did nothing but kick. Because <laughs> if he was on the field, that was a problem. That's so. hysterical. That's awesome, though. That's good. Hey, so, one, more yeah. third, one more third round pick. Uh, and I hate to do it. I hate to say it. But uh, I think the Ravens are doing a really good job. I think they're going to find a way to use Trenton Simpson, who, again, is another one of those guys who is not a conventional linebacker. He's not a guy who – you're going to just be able to stick in at your buck linebacker, you know, your banger and just have him fill gaps. He's not that guy, but he's a super versatile 
athletic linebacker who is going to be able to play in the slot. It's really more like a strong safety playing linebacker, and he's fast, and he fits that Baltimore defense really well. So I thought he was a really good pick too. We can't talk in about a third round uh, a pick that everyone may have been questioning. Why is this guy falling without talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers who traded from 80 to 93 and they get Darnell Washington tight end out of Georgia. And this dude is, and I, I honestly knew about him because obviously I podcast about the Steelers and I have people on my show to talk about the Steelers and, and these prospects and Darnell Washington's name has come up a lot, but it was not at pick 93. It was at pick 32, maybe 49. This guy's a monster. I mean, six, seven, he, he is 264 pounds. He ran a ridiculous 40 time for that size. And he, Yes, the reason he slid was there were some concerns about his knee. Now that's what's being reported. I don't know if it's factual or not. What do you like? Of, what? Well, I, let me not. I'm sure you do like the pick, but what is it that you like about Darnell Washington for the Steelers? Well, first of all, he his numbers at Georgia were probably a little bit lesser than they may have been because Georgia plays a two tight end system, and and the other tight end is Brock Bowers, who is one of the when he comes out will be probably the top overall tight end pick. Um, he, you, he, he can block, you line him up next to Broderick Jones, just like they did at Georgia, which They're the Steelers familiar, are not going to yeah. be able to do. And those guys are going to move some people. Um, but he can get down the seam. He averaged, this is, this is the thing that I, I like the most about him. He averaged over 17 yards a catch last year. He's six, seven and, and almost 270 pounds. And he averaged 17 yards a catch. And, and part of that was dumping him the ball in the flat and saying to corners, all right, you know, let's come get them, which yeah. many of them are not going to be real willing to do. But part of it was him getting down the field. I mean, it wasn't all dinks and dunks and run after the catch. He, he can get down the field. So so you give a quarterback like that a target in the middle of the field. And if there's one thing that Steelers fans have you know gone berserk about over the last few years, it's their inability or unwillingness to throw the ball in the middle of the field. And you now give them a six, seven target who can move. It opens up so many other things. You have to play that. You have to honor that. And so now uh, the perimeter passing game becomes easier. Now you pair him with Pat Fryermuth. I mean, Pat Fryermuth is uh, probably uh, you know one of the top six to eight tight ends in the league to begin with, but he's a little bit more of an athletic guy. You could split Fryermuth out while putting Washington on the line. There's an awful lot that you can do with a guy like that. So that that was that pick. I just was like, uh, you know, it was the capper for me for what's been a great Steelers draft so far. I want to see Washington next to Broderick Jones and just give Najee Harris the ball, say run to the left side and just watch those guys absolutely cripple defensive backs. That's what I want to see. That's about my <laughs> wish. That's about, I'm excited for that for sure. All right, let's talk about day one and day two combined as we get ready for day three, which starts today at noon. Uh, we are looking at how teams have done thus far. You had written down a couple teams that you thought after the first three rounds have done a really good job. Who are some of those teams? Sure. So I, I like the Giants. I think the Giants have done some good things. I liked uh, the drafting uh, Deontay Banks in the first round. We talked about him yesterday. But I think now they get a really good interior player in John Mitchell Schmitz, who uh, will, will probably move in there at center. And I mentioned before, I like the Jalen Hyatt pick. I think Brian Dayball is one of the best coaches in the NFL. And he's targeting guys that he really likes. And he'll find ways to to uh, integrate them. So I think they're doing a good job. I think Houston's added some good pieces. They got Stroud and, and Will Anderson on day one. And then I thought 
uh, picking up Nathaniel Dell, the wide receiver from Houston, was a really good move. Uh, I like the Eagles. Obviously, they've you know we we've talked about them, but they've done some some really smart things. But I just wanted to talk about Detroit real quick. I know we we brought them up earlier, but you look at the haul that Detroit's gotten, and and some people you, you can you can argue with the order in which these guys are selected. But jeez, I didn't realize the, they picked so many players. Sorry. Yeah, they, they, well, they've got the Gibbs kid, right? They got Gibbs, the yeah. running back from Alabama, fast. They got Campbell, probably the best linebacker in the in the draft, Jack Campbell, Sam Laporta. Uh, one of the top tight ends in the draft, who's a, who's an athlete, uh, Brian Branch, who we already talked about, really really versatile safety, and then Hendon Hooker, uh, a guy that uh, they're going to be able to, to hopefully groom as their next QB. So man, that's five really really good football players in the first three rounds. Yeah. Any any other teams stand out? Well, everybody's going to call us homers. <laughs> that's okay. We are. It's fine. It's a fan. Well, yeah, that's sports true. <laughs> but how can you not love what the Steelers have done? I mean, the Steelers have added one of the top tackles in the draft, a corner who people thought they'd get at 17 that they got at 32, a, a Stefan to clone in Keanu Benton, the defensive lineman from Wisconsin. Wow. You're going to, you're going to put that on him. Stefan Tua. Well, when you watch him, I'm not going to say that he's going to be Stefan Tua, but okay. watch his, watch what he looks like on film. I hope you look he does. at his size and how he moves. He looks an awful lot like Stefan Tua. And it. then, you know, then Washington. So I think the Steelers are killing it. Yeah. And, and it's good. I want to ask you the last question before we call it a show. How long, like, you know, everyone's going to give grades. They're going to grade the pick, they're going to grade the class once this is all over. In your in your personal opinion as a coach, how long do you give these players in these draft classes time to actually pan out before you can label someone as a miss? I'm not even gonna say a bust. I think that's really harsh. Just a miss. Like it uh Steeler fans know Kendrick Green was probably a miss. You know, it just didn't work out. How long would you give players to prove themselves? Right. I liken it, I liken it to this. Okay, so I'm a high school coach. Yep. Imagine if I was giving grades to all the freshmen, right? After I watched them play <laughs> and, and not, not only not, 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 I didn't even get to see him play yet. We just, they just came in as freshmen they walked in the door and I was like, D, you know, <laughs> like, imagine you just, uh, it, it's incredible how much they can develop. I I've seen freshmen who I thought would be terrible football players turn into, all right, I got to tell a quick story real quick. Go for it. We had a kid, this kid, Brandon, Bob, shout out B Bob. Kid named Brandon Bob, huge kid. He's about six four and like three hundred twenty pounds. He came in as an eighth grader, um, gigantic. Had never played it down a football before. Didn't know how to put his pads on. We had to help him put his pads on. Uh, the first scrimmage. Now, granted, they they've been now practicing for a good three weeks, right? The first scrimmage, we send him out at, at nose tackle, and it's like a the, you know one team runs ten plays, the next team runs ten plays. This is this is his freshman year. Uh, he comes off the field. He's got a big smile on his face, right? We're like, Bebop, man, how, how was that? How was your How was your first football experience? He was like, that was great. Coach, was that offense or defense? And we were like, oh, God. <laughs> we are like, Bebop, come on, man. Brandon Bob's playing college football right now. Brandon are Bob is, yeah, he's playing, he's playing uh, at a D3 school in Pennsylvania, Eastern University. And um, he was just a kid, like freshman year, I would have been like, oh, uh, you know, hey, he'll be a good kid. This will be good for him. You know, like it'll right. be good for him. It'll give him self-confidence, self-esteem in my wildest dreams. I never would imagine that that kid who always had the size, but just the, I mean, he just, he had no idea what was going on. And he just, he just took off, man. It, by about his sophomore years, like the light bulb goes on. And so to answer your question, I think you got to give him like two years, like to me, sophomore year for the high school kid is like when that, when that, 
college guy gets into a second year in the pros and there's got to be a leap by that second year or you're probably going to get left behind. So, I mean, in all fairness, I think draft grades are only valid once you're probably about two years in. Yeah. And I think too, some of these draft picks are really young. I mean, think about how young Juju Smith-Schuster was when he came into the league. I think Broderick Jones, Steelers first round pick is 21. Broderick Jones has got baby fat and he's got, and wears braces. Yeah. You know, he, he, I mean, he looks young and, and yeah. he's going up against full grown men that are 30 plus years old and they've been through it. Think about going up against Cam Hayward. I'm sure he's going to put him through the ringer and training oh, yeah. camp, oh, yeah. but it's, it's going to be part of the process. So that's good stuff. Uh, day three starts today. I think today's Saturday. I don't know what day it is. This is going to blur, <laughs> but still day three starts today at noon. We'll have all your coverage at fans for sports network. Make sure you check us out. Check out all of our affiliates. Kevin, any final thoughts? No, I can't wait. This is this is a cool day too because I like to watch the the um you know the guys who are not expected to be taken the the small school guys. It's a great day to to root for yeah. the small school guys. There's a there's a wide receiver out of Princeton, a guy named Andre Iosivis or Iosovis. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. Who's uh, like from Hawaii and went to Princeton and he was he was an All American. He's he's a All American heptathlete, oh. which is like this grueling absurd seven event race, but he's also like a six, four, uh, wide receiver who runs four, three. And so I'm, I'm rooting for him, you know, like the Princeton yeah. kid to make it. So, yeah, I, I like seeing those stories on day three. I want to see, I'm from Shepherd university in the Eastern panhandle of West Virginia. Joey Fisher is a uh, tackle from Shepherd, And then also Tyler Badgen is the quarterback. He probably won't get drafted, but he was at the senior bowl. Pretty cool to see uh, a small D2 school. Shepherd's actually a really good program in division two. They're almost always in the semis and making their way through that tournament. But still I'd love to see some of those guys, maybe get, maybe get a phone call. It'd be pretty cool. So is there QB, the guy whose dad was like the champion arm wrestler? Yes, I yes. saw, I saw a thing on him. That was yes. a cool story. Do you have I'm not going to get into that, but he's like a legend in that area. So okay. it's, it's kind of its own little world <laughs> <laughs> with all of that. Uh, we're going to end this show. Thank you all for checking it out, whether it's on the audio side or on the video form somewhere, Kevin, thanks for your time. And we will see you up next week.